really command any um, respect or influence over public opinion. So uh, particularly in nations like Canada and Australia and, uh, you know, probably to a large extent in the United States, although I think problems there are uh, more difficult because I think uh, basically Russian disinformation has a hold on one of the parties. But um, generally speaking, I think that the, the, you know, something like the New York Times will give column space to one of these people and that might have influence at the margins, but um, really the predominance of people's views around the world, around the the developed world uh, and, and democracies support Ukraine and they believe totally um, the Ukrainian um, point of view on these matters, and they and they don't buy uh, Russian disinformation, and that one of the traps we have to be careful not to fall into is um, uh, falling into the trap that troll or Russian trolling tries to create, which is to create an overreaction, which is then used against. Um, uh, you know the predominant sense uh, consensus consensus opinion in in the Western world, and I you know I think that these things I think these things are the the Russians try and provoke they try and provoke an overreaction which they can then use as an argument to say okay see they're trying to dehumanise us therefore they are Nazis for example that's one of the narratives they try and uh, use you know the fact is that. Uh, uh, Throughout, you know, the, throughout the developed world and and Western democracies, Ukrainian has public support way and above what might be reflected in media. And the real struggle we have is is in developing nations where uh, Russian disinformation has an absolute stranglehold. You know, in places like India and Africa, uh, and you know, to some extent, Southeast Asia, where uh, it's it's being supported by the Chinese government, and our effort has to be focused on, you know, logically working out how we disable this disinformation campaign. Because what Adrian is reacting to is a deliberate strategy to try and, um, you know, flood the space with disinformation, and then get everybody to overreact to it and not productively respond to it. Um, and in particular, that applies to places like, you know, Nigeria, which is also an oil-producing nation where the Russians are clearly targeting them. They're clearly targeting them because they want them on side, because they want to ensure that, uh, you know, they, they, that, that can become a proxy nation for them uh, who won't uh, compete with them in the oil space because they have, you know, very large oil reserves so, you know, you can see that these disinformation campaigns target particular nations and particular groups, um, and Africa is a classic example, and India is also, you know, a more dominant example. And it's like what, what you know, rather than being angry about it, it's like what is the strategy we can formulate to effectively respond to that and ensure we're not a victim of it? That's all I had to say. Thanks, Henry. Um I agree with parts of what you're saying, but I, I think that you might have a very Anglo-centric or Anglophone-centric view of this, because yes, it's true that in countries such as Australia, such as Canada, such as the United Kingdom, um, also to a slightly lesser extent, but generally also the US, this is a thoroughly marginal view. You know, the sort of stuff that uh, Adrian was, was highlighting. But in a number of other countries, still important, you know, Western countries, be it France, Germany, Italy, um, it's much less of a marginal view, and these things have a lot stronger hold. And it does matter, right? The the Italian government might be collapsing over the course of today, for example. Yes, Italy is nowhere near uh, as important as the US, but look at the two parties that are trying to scuttle the government. They were, you know, pushing a few weeks ago for an end of arms shipments from Italy to Ukraine. Um, it, in enough places like that, and. You know, you could you could see Ukraine being forced or pushed into negotiations that are bad for Ukraine. That's something that needs to be taken into account as well. Um, 
it's not just the efficacy of Russian misinformation, disinformation in places like India and Nigeria. It's also much closer to Ukraine. It's also much more in the heartland of the Western world as well. Um, Canberra, go ahead, and then I'll pass it to David and after it. Yeah, so I absolutely agree, but I, I believe that those nations have been specifically targeted by Russia. So you look at somewhere like Italy, it appears to me that, you know, there has been a concerted campaign to try and uh, split them away from, um, you know, uh, European consensus about uh, Russia's role. Um, and it's been done through media, as opposed to somewhere like Germany, where it's been done through uh, campaigns of funding particular uh, politicians and lobbyists. So you, if, you, if you imagine that, I mean, I don't understand how the Italian media is so tied up with uh, Russian um, disinformation, but it clearly is. You know, there clearly is, and it's, it's very similar to what's happening in the US. Clearly the Russian... Um, uh, 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 point of view has managed to gain a, a grip on a particular political um, uh, area of land in, in the US and they just keep leveraging their way out and they do it through these things that was talked about earlier, you know, things like um, uh, anti-vaccination stances and, um, you know, uh, all, all, all sorts of wild conspiracy theories that they get themselves in there and they leverage and, you know, they, they create a wedge uh, and they try and align themselves with a political group, even if it means that they speak on behalf of other political groups to cry, try and create a contest about an idea which isn't particularly um, uh, relevant to this actual issue right now. It's to try and create conflicts in those nations which they can then store away and leverage and use later on. And that appears to be what's happened in both the US and in particular Italy. Um, and so I, I, you know, although some of these things might grow organically within these nations, I do believe that some of these uh, Western European nations have been particular targets of, of these, these sorts of campaigns. Yeah, there, we're, uh, there we are in complete agreement, Canberra. Um, Adrian? Adrian? Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with Canberra that this um, particular um, uh, disinformation campaign on probably unrelated subjects that have been going on for a while, uh, there, in my view and from what I've researched, uh, it seems like a typical tactic of uh, their misinformation apparatus where you would uh, create a context where nothing uh, can be believed in the news. It's uh, mostly about, I mean, COVID is a very good example. Um, uh, if you start doubting uh, the professionals and you start doubting the people who tell you the things that are good for your health, uh, I mean, and ultimately you completely doubt what's going on on the news. And uh, when your, let's say, Ministry of Minister of Health makes a public statement, then that's uh, something that they can gain from long term. And uh, I think these uh, anti-vaccination uh, campaigns that built pretty strong groups in uh, during the pandemic, especially in my country, in Romania, were leveraged uh, pretty well into um, believing the Russian narrative when it comes to the war in Ukraine. And I also agree with him on the point of... Um, evoking an emotional response uh, as i said that's my personal view and i don't necessarily encourage it i hope there are people more clever than me who can have a more pragmatic response and i try to do so most of the time uh, because i understand that um, uh, if the russians uh, uh, provoke an emotional response in the west and a hardline response then they can take that emotional and hardline response back to their people, uh, tell them, look at them, they hate us, and then justify uh, what they are doing to Ukraine as a sick uh, story of self-defense, which they have been doing quite su successfully lately. Um, but I also would, um, maybe savages is not the right word, but I would love to find a qualifier like, terrorist, for example, that is an official stance of the West, because these are essentially terrorist acts and they can be tolerated. And um, I, 
I agree with you that some thinkers and some uh, columnists, they don't have this amount of influence and they're put, their columns are put in there for clicks and so on. But on the other hand, many respected publications have written uh, very vague language, like even The Guardian, who is a relatively, let's say, center-left-leaning newspaper, uh, about two weeks ago, the claimed mass, they wrote something, the claimed uh, mass murders in Bucha. So just because they put that word claimed in there, uh, they fell into this uh, Russian propaganda trap, uh, taking advantage of journalistic standards where you have to doubt everything, even if it stares you, uh, even if it stares you in the face. It's uh, um, uh, and yeah, this is why many times it provokes a, an emotional uh, response in me because I, I do feel that there is. Um, um, inconsistency in message when it comes to uh, both Western politicians, but also uh, the editorial policy of the media, because we talked about this a few days back, because I haven't seen any major media outlet, and we discussed in length why, uh, calling what is happening in Ukraine a genocide, even though uh, you I believe any reasonable person can do the proper research and read the statutes on genocide that's set by the UN and um, make this um, make this obvious conclusion that it is a genocide. Yet no major newspaper, which still are read, have some influence in the public. Uh, I mean, they do have influence, have not yet taken this stance and are still using words like claimed or language like uh, the Ukrainian says it's a civilian target, but the Russians, the Russians say it, they were storing military equipment there. So it creates this um, uh, equivalency that these are two uh, actors fighting a war in good faith for each reason, and you have to listen to both of their claims. And um, um, it's and this kind of attitude can translate into public opinion. So, for example, I don't know which TV station, uh, probably you guys talked about it, but I missed it on the space. A TV station in Germany made a poll. Uh, should Ukraine make territorial concessions uh, in exchange for peace? And 47% of respondents to this poll in Germany, so almost 50%, said yes. Germany, like a major European country, a major NATO country, and a supposed supporter of Ukraine, but with the caveats that we all know, 47% uh, of the people in a poll, said by a TV, I know how polls work, uh, they can be skewed, and so on, they think uh, that uh, Ukraine should sue for peace. And I think that's, and give territory away. And that's definitely a consequences of uh, irresponsible media representation. Thanks. Thank you, Adrian. Um, I'm going to jump to Ben and then to Canberra. Uh, and then we might have a new speaker on. But Ben, could you please start by telling us what and whom we're expecting to join us in 14 minutes' time? Uh, yes, of course. Um, we're expecting um, Volodymyr. I'm going to try not to butcher his name, uh, Kogutyak, uh, who is the, uh, who's a great guy. I mean, that's the, why I asked him to come, to come along uh, to celebrate Bastille Day with us. Uh, he's um, a community organizer uh, in, here in Paris, working for the, the Ukrainian World Council, um, and sets up on a daily basis, sorry, on a weekly basis, um, uh, demonstrations in support for Ukrainians in Paris. Uh, so real great guy is very articulate. Uh, he's full of uh, full of energy, and I hope you're going to enjoy him and uh, love him as much as I do. Uh, there's a small little caveat: his English is not great, so there's going to be a bit of a mix between French and English. But uh, I'll be there to try cover this, and uh, and yeah, I hope you'll you'll have questions for him. Uh, and, and um, about France, the, the life of Ukrainians in, in France and Western Europe in general, uh, and, and really any question you may have regarding the organization of the Ukrainian diaspora uh, across the world at the moment. And 
Adrian, if I can just uh, share with you something which I take to heart almost every day. Uh, it's the advice that Virgil gives to Danny uh, Inferno uh, when they arrive in hell. And, and the advice he gives is um, here you need to drop any doubt. Any fear must be dead. And I wish the journalist remembered this uh, well cornerstone of uh, and uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, advice that we should uh, we should remember uh, supporting our. Thank you, Ben. Um, no, Virgil from Caesar. That, that that's quite appropriate. Canberra. Yeah. So I I'll just cover this issue of polling first. Um, so that, 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 that polling example that Adrian gave, that's an example of what's called push polling or false polling, where you set up a, a leading, you know, a, a biased question or a, or a straw man. Uh, you know, an, a, an example that uh, people in the US would be familiar with is all of these polls that were conducted around critical race theory, where they would throw out a poll saying, you know, do you think it would, is right to, to, to teach critical race theory, theory in schools? Well, it wasn't being taught in schools and the nature of the term made people think that, well, if it's critical race theory, it's critical of white people. And so, of course, everybody would predominantly answer no. Well, that's not real polling, you know, and that is designed to provoke a particular anger in the respondent and even everybody who views the survey. And, you know, our, our response to that has to be, analytical and how do we dismantle this disinformation campaign rather than falling victim to it? Um, and I'll give some other examples, you know, things like uh, going back a little bit, Occupy Wall Street in the US and the Tea Party protests in the US, I believe, were uh, partially supported by Russian disinformation elements. Um, and more recently, things in France, uh, this is a classic example where they had uh, the French government tried to introduce a fuel tax and then they had all the yellow vest protests. Now, they were clearly linked back to um, uh, Russian intelligent efforts to provoke those those um, protests. And they were around an interest that was, a, you know, particular interest to the Russians, which was um, any effort to introduce efforts to curb uh, the use of um, uh, carbon emissions in developing economy, in developed economies. Um, and things like, you know, we know from the Mueller report that they use things like Black Lives Matter as a wedge, um, uh, that they would pretend to be Black Lives Matter activists making really outrageous claims um, that would then provoke a white reaction uh, as, as a wedge. Um, and Brexit would be another example or, you know, possibly more controversial, but they appear to have been involved in that effort to divide. And what we've always got to be careful of is that we, you know, the, 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 the coalition that is supporting Ukraine is not divided by, um, you know, explosive rhetoric, which is designed to, um, you know, make people think, well, I just want to steer clear of that whole issue because there is a consensus really in, amongst the nations that really matter that Ukraine needs to be supported. And I understand a, a, a bunch of people can be gullible, but our job is not to um, overreact to that gullibility. Our job is to work out strategies that can overcome that gullibility and drag them towards, you know, where the facts lie. That's all I had to say. Thanks, Canberra. I want to highlight here that the, the Russian aims and the Russian strategies to a great degree, as you noted, is not just to create division, but to create division from both polit both both ends of the political spectrum, right? Um, create division by propping up the extreme left as well as the extreme right. Um, and this way they can do that far more effectively. In France, for example, they've done it particularly uh, successfully, I guess, at the highest end of politics, right? Uh, with both uh, the... the far left candidate getting a silly amount of votes at the last presidential election, as well as the far right candidate in the pen getting a silly amount of votes in the last presidential elections, both extremes supporting Russia effectively. Right. And I think that's, um, uh, that, that's, that's kind of like a good teaching example, let's say, uh, that we can, we can have here for this. Um, 
Right. Tabasco? There's also this new thing going around. I've seen it on uh, multiple um, news outlets <clears throat> where uh, African trolls are pushing this narrative and not only African trolls, but anonymous trolls also like there you can you don't see any like face or, you know, where this uh, this thing pushed uh, where they uh, say God is above science. <laughs> So this this is one of the newest trends I see in what's being pushed by, we know what it is, but, you know, that God is above science and, um, or Christianity is above science, bullshit like this. Um, by doing this, they are trying to really push this into this, staring into fascism thingy. So this is one of the new trends I'm seeing. Yeah, exactly. It's to it's to divide and conquer and conquer, so to say, right? Divide and conquer. Divide the populaces in other countries, especially in the Western world, because those are the ones that uh, you know, can actually stand up to Russia and are willing to stand up to Russia uh, and make it more difficult to do so. Back in the Soviet days, they only did it on one side. They only did it from the far left. Uh, that wasn't very successful. Since then, they have realized there are better ways of doing this. Um, Adrian? Okay, I have a crazy thought. It might be hyper-conspiratorial, so shoot me down if you wish. But uh, let's talk about a um, very favorite subject, mass shootings that have been going on in the US and uh, in Europe to some extent. And it always uh, happens with uh, young, disaffected guys who seem to be spending a lot of time on... uh, internet forums and sites that are um, um, that are um, very Nazi, radical, uh, basic. I mean, I don't want to go into the entire story. You can imagine what's on these forums. And I'm just asking myself, like, um, what country would have an advantage that also has a history of spreading misinformation and uh, using the internet to create widgets, what country would have a great advantage of uh, uh, the mass news media distraction and political chaos and the very controversial issue if uh, mass shootings suddenly happened in uh, developed countries? I know it might sound a bit far-fetched, but um, I'm just asking questions. I have no evidence to support that all. Thank you, Adrian. Um, um, can I come uh, quickly to this? More, more people. Uh, sorry, Tabasco. We're. I'm just gonna say uh, that we've been uh, joined by Kugutiak Volodymyr, um, who was our scheduled guest as of right now. Sorry, Tabasco. Can you please mute your mic? Because it's um, there's there's a lot of feedback coming coming back from me. So we are going to have to put a pin in this particular conversation uh, to turn our attention to Volodymyr. We can, of course, pick it up. Uh, again in maybe you know an hour and a half or so uh, and we'll be very happy to do so at that time uh volodymyr uh welcome uh thank you for joining us hello thank you very much um ben i'm guessing you're going to be the one uh taking point on this um i mean i hate taking points from you but i've got a few questions ready and then continue uh, maybe we can start, Volodymyr, if you could just briefly uh, you know, explain to the, to the good people, especially the good people from the other side of the Atlantic who are just waking up at 6 a.m. Uh, to, be, to be tuning in, as well as across here uh, on, their, on their lunch breaks. Um, you know, what, what, so you're from Ukraine, you live in France. Um, what do you do? Uh, what is your role with the Ukrainian World Congress? Uh, what do you do uh, in organizing uh, various groups of Ukrainians in France? Merci tout d'abord pour cette invitation. Euh, moi, en 2013, euh, on m'a proposé de devenir euh, président de l'association des étudiants ukrainiens en France. Uh, Et du coup, merci pour l'invite. Et en 2013, je me suis dit que c'était une super idée, comme ça euh, je pourrais rassembler les, euh, les étudiants ukrainiens pour faire des fêtes et ainsi de suite, et ça pourrait être assez cool. Sauf que, euh, deux semaines plus tard, 
à, sur la place Maïdan à Kiev, il y a une révolution qui a commencé. Et j'étais avec Nathalie Pasternak qui, a, elle, euh, m'a appris à rencontrer des, des députés, des sénateurs, euh, des par, euh, partir au Parlement européen, qui m'a appris aussi euh, donc à intervenir à la télé et à devenir un activiste. Et du coup, Nathalie Pasternak, elle, elle est décédée quelques années plus tard. Et c'est avec son mari, Jean-Pierre Pasternak, que nous continuons aujourd'hui à, à faire des démonstrations et à représenter l'Ukraine en France. Unfortunately, um, Nathalie Pasternak passed uh, within a few years, and her husband Jean-Pierre uh, picked up the, the flag, and uh, it's with him that Volodymyr is organizing the Ukrainian community in France. Depuis peu, euh, Jean-Pierre Pasternak est devenu le président de l'association de l'Union des Ukrainiens de France, et moi, du coup, le vice-président de cette association. Um, it's been uh, For, for, for a few weeks, uh, Jean-Pierre Pasternak has become the head of the Ukrainian Association in France, and Volodymyr is the deputy of this, of this organization. Voilà. Voilà. Ça, c'est bien. Bonjour, Kogouzia. Bonjour. Ben, do we want to continue on the basis that we ask our questions in English and you tra uh, translate? Is that okay? Fantastic. Okay. Okay, no problem. So, yeah, thank you very much for joining us in, uh, on this very day, and given the fact that uh, you may have heard that uh, the spirits of the Ukrainians uh, on this uh, channel and those who support Ukraine have been lifted in recent days, um, given the impact of the deliveries of Césars, then the German Panzerhaubitze, uh, the M270s and HIMARS. How do you see the perception of the French Of what happens in Ukraine in the last two weeks? Um, over the past a few weeks, the spirit. No. Two weeks. Past two weeks. Oh, je, wrong, wrong language. Um, depuis, depuis deux semaines, il uh, y, y a beaucoup de choses qui sont arrivées, du matériel militaire qui est arrivé en Ukraine, uh, en particulier les, les, les canons allemands Panzer et les canons français uh, César. Um, en quoi est-ce que ça, ça. La, la façon de voir la situation des Ukrainiens en France. Euh, merci pour cette question. En fait, la situation, il faudrait la voir de la manière suivante. Avant 24 février 2022, on disait que la Russie n'allait jamais attaquer toute l'Ukraine. Après le 24 février, on s'est dit, si, ils ont attaqué toute l'Ukraine, mais l'Ukraine va perdre. Euh, nous devons aider, soutenir euh, l'Ukraine, mais l'Ukraine va perdre. Après... Deux mois plus tard. Volodymyr, quand tu dis on, tu parles de, des Ukrainiens en France euh, Non, je, je, je parle de, de Français, des Européens. Donc on a dit que l'Ukraine euh, va perdre. Un mois plus tard, on s'est rendu compte que l'Ukraine ne perdra pas si on arrive à la soutenir euh, militairement. Du coup, on a commencé à livrer des armes et des armements très lourds à l'Ukraine. Mais on disait que tout de même, ils combattent contre la Russie. Du coup, ils ne pourront jamais gagner. Et vous avez tout à fait raison, depuis deux semaines, on se rend compte que euh, bah, non seulement en fait, on est en train de soutenir l'Ukraine pour que l'Ukraine euh, puisse résister, mais on est en train de soutenir l'Ukraine pour que l'Ukraine puisse gagner. Et c'est là la grande différence. On parle de faire gagner l'Ukraine avec des armements extrêmement efficaces qui sont sur la ligne de front en Ukraine. Um, so what it's saying is that of the, uh, initially, um, before um, February 24th, the uh, public did not believe Ger um, Russia was going to attack. Then after that date, uh, they expect uh, Ukraine to deploy within a, a matter of, uh, of days. Uh, within a month, they had realized that it would not happen like that. And um, they could, uh, that, that the Ukrainians could actually fight on for a while. And... Uh, since the past two weeks and the arrival of material, there's a strong belief um, uh, across Europe 
uh, that the Ukrainian will uh, have, have a fighting chance to win. D'après plusieurs... Vladimir, je crois qu'il parlait vraiment des, à la fois des Ukrainiens en France et de ta perspective parce que tu l'as fait. D'après en fait ce que nous, nous arrivons à voir ici en France, c'est cette année que la situation devrait changer en Ukraine. C'est-à-dire que euh, à partir de cet été, nous devrions avoir à partir du mois d'août un certain nombre de changements euh, sur la ligne de front. Et nous, bien évidemment, ici en France, on va tout faire pour soutenir en fait euh, cette, cette aide. Mais normalement, à partir de cet été, l'Ukraine devrait reprendre le dessus sur son territoire et recommencer à attaquer et à reconquérir les nouveaux territoires en Russie. Uh, All right. So, um, the, the, in the coming, sorry, for the past two weeks, uh, there's um, a massive amount of uh, um, trust that has uh, refilled, that have been refilled in the, among the Ukrainians in France, and they are looking forward for a mid-summer offensive and uh, reconquest uh, within that time frame. Thank you for that. And uh, when you say trust has been How does the French media portray? Comment est-ce que le, les, les médias français ont, ont dépeint l'arrivée des nouveaux équipements militaires euh, Donc euh, en France, on a surtout montré donc les, les canons César, donc des canons français en fait qui, qui arrivaient sur la ligne de front en Ukraine et qui sont extrêmement efficaces sur la ligne de front. C'est vrai qu'on a beaucoup moins montré les autres équipements qui sont arrivés d'autres pays, ce qui est tout à fait normal. Um, as could be expected, the French media have paid a lot of attention to the arrival of the Caesar guns. Uh, other types of materials have not uh, uh, covered quite ex as extensively, but there seems to have been quite a lot of, um, of, of attention by the French press um, given to the new material in general. Néanmoins, en Ukraine, euh, on montre tout l'armement qui arrive et le ministère de la Défense de l'Ukraine fait des très belles publicités sur tous les armes de, du monde entier qui, qui arrivent euh, en Ukraine. But he's also following uh, what Ukrainian um, government is saying and he's saying that a very sleek um, advertisement campaign uh, display all the, the material that is coming from the world over to support Ukraine. Uh, and this is also something as well. So, uh, as such, is, is it then true to say that the uh, commentary and the analysis also shown in French media has become a bit more, shall we say, balanced? Because what we understood is that, say, around Easter and even in the weeks after Easter, there was a, shall we say, <clears throat> a tone which was predicated on Ukraine having to trade land for peace. Is that still there or has that been shaken up? Euh, Axel demande euh, le ton qui, a, qui avait dominé jusqu'à apparemment jusqu'à jusqu Pâques, euh, qui disait que l'Ukraine n'avait pas d'autre choix que d'échanger euh, de la terre pour la paix, euh, a, a, a été changé et affecté par l'arrivée des nouveaux matériels. Euh, en effet, depuis que l'Ukraine possède des armements très efficaces, la situation a complètement changé sur la ligne de front. Mais la mentalité des Ukrainiens, elle, elle n'a jamais changé. L'Ukraine, euh, les Ukrainiens ont toujours dit que la Crimée appartenait à l'Ukraine, le Donbass appartenait à l'Ukraine. Et cette opinion-là, elle, elle n'a jamais changé. Elle a été encore plus renforcée du, depuis 24 février 2022. Et la question d'accès, c'était sur, sur la presse française, en fait. Est-ce que tu as senti un changement de ton et de discours dans la, dans la presse française euh, après l'arrivée des, des nouveaux matériaux en fait, le, le discours a changé à partir du moment où le matériel euh, international donc le, qui est, euh, est allé sur la ligne de front et qu'on a vu que finalement, les Ukrainiens ils arrivent non seulement à se défendre, mais en plus à percer en avant, c'est-à-dire donc à, à faire des offensives. Et à partir de là, donc, le discours des hommes politiques et de la presse a complètement changé. Et c'est pour cela qu'on ne parle plus de la paix en Ukraine, mais on parle de la victoire de l'Ukraine. Yes, Axel, you're perfectly right. After the change, um, the, after the arrival in, of the, the new materials, uh, the tone and the narrative has changed totally. Uh, and the French press is not talking about peace any longer. But about potential Ukraine. Très bien ça. 
Thank you very much. So what kind of events and, and um, say media contacts will you have in the coming weeks? Uh, how will you go about it through the summer season? I mean, we're now in the middle of July, um, Bastille Day, and the French are looking forward to their summer holidays. How can we keep the spirit up and uh, how do you approach your French compatriots? Comment est-ce que tu fais, tu vas faire dans les semaines qui viennent pour maintenir l'attention sur le sujet ukrainien, sachant que les Français vont partir en vacances, ils vont avoir... Très bonne question. Donc, en réalité, beaucoup de Français n'iront pas en vacances. C'est pour ça que nos manifestations vont continuer, par exemple, à Paris. Mais il n'y a pas que les manifestations, il y a aussi donc les réseaux sociaux sur lesquels on peut agir. Et là, un Français peut être en vacances et toujours voir ce qui se passe en Ukraine, la tragédie qui est en train d'arriver. Et il y a aussi beaucoup d'autres en fait questions, choses qu'on peut faire à Paris. Par exemple, certes, des Français partent en vacances dans d'autres pays, mais il y a aussi d'autres pays qui arrivent à Paris pour les vacances. Et par exemple, nous, on peut faire des manifestations ou des actions euh, concrètes euh, à côté de la Tour Eiffel et on sera très visible par d'autres pays dans le monde, par d'autres euh, touristes qui seront à Paris. C'est très drôle, uh, c'est une bonne idée. Uh, so, she's saying, Axel, that um, you're, you had an excellent question um, and that, indeed, there's, there's going to be a, a few French people that, gonna, that are going to leave, but through social network, they're not gonna, they're not gonna be completely disconnected. Uh, besides, uh, a lot of the people who are supporting Ukraine are not going on holiday, so they will keep demonstrating on a regular basis within Paris. And uh, he's also saying that Paris, what it is, one of the great centers of international tourism, he's gonna, he's gonna capitalize on that. And they're gonna have actions uh, next to the big touristic centers, such as the Eiffel Tower, uh, so as to take the opportunity to attract the attention of uh, of uh, people, of, of, sorry, of international attention to Ukraine uh, through the, the country. Will you be able to follow the French to their holiday destination? I mean, with campaigns and the like. Il veut savoir s'il va y avoir des protestations, des interventions euh, sur les lieux de villégiature. Pardon, sur les lieux de Sur les lieux de, sur les lieux de vacances. Euh, je, je ne pense pas. Pour l'instant, nous, on n'a rien organisé, sachant qu'il euh, y a toujours la possibilité d'afficher des, des drapeaux français lorsqu'on est sur la plage. Il y a toujours la possibilité d'écrire sur le sable euh, « Save Ukraine euh, » ou « Arm Ukraine euh, ». Donc, il y a toujours la possibilité de faire quelque chose, mais à, ça va être à l'initiative, en fait, de chaque personne euh, qui va aux manifestations et qui, là, ira en vacances. Uh... There, there's no um, organized demonstration or, or of any sort that is expected um, on uh, the holiday um, locations, uh, but there's, um, uh, I don't want to say orders, but uh, let's say orders um, that has been passed on waters of Ukraine um, when they go to the beach, have a Ukrainian flag with them, and uh, whenever they can, to draw stuff on the sand because people need Uh, what's on the sand below. Should we be handing out uh, a lot of uh, French flags and French bath towels with a uh, Ukrainian, um, say, trident and flag on it? That's a good idea. Uh, yeah, um, Axel qui propose de donner des serviettes de bain uh, avec le drapeau français et le trident ukrainien euh, aux gens qui vont à la C'est une très bonne idée, sachant que l'idée, ce ne sera pas de donner, mais plutôt en fait de vendre pour justement pouvoir rassembler de l'argent et derrière cet argent pouvoir l'envoyer par exemple pour des du matériel, soit pour la population ukrainienne, soit pour les soldats ukrainiens. Donc l'idée serait plutôt de vendre, mais l'idée elle est excellente et bien évidemment nous, nous allons Essayer de poursuivre en fait des uh, efforts en fait envers ce sens-là. Um, she's saying it's an excellent idea, uh, although she would say that business-wise it's not very sound. He'd rather sell it um, uh, because they don't have much money and they they also are making a lot of effort to uh, collect uh, funds in order to support Ukraine financially. No, I am. Okay, I think Axel had a phone call or something along the line. Suddenly dropped. Um, And I'm being besieged by the baby. Uh, but meanwhile, Volodymyr, I've got a few, a few um, uh, questions regarding what you're doing with the one and the press. Um, 
the way the French media usually work is by confronting two people who are uh, uh, who disagree in order to have a debate uh, on stage. Um, what sort of persons um, the, are you confronted with during the polydimir? Uh, Axel a deux trois petits problèmes de connexion, donc il, il continuera la conversation un peu plus tard. Um, pour l'instant, moi, j'ai une question à te poser, qui est de savoir quand tu es uh, dans les médias. Euh, et qu'il y a des débats. Quel genre de, de personnes te sont confrontées euh, Est-ce que ce sont des, des gouvernements, des représentants russes Ou est-ce que ce sont des Français qui, euh, qui viennent apporter la condamnation et décrire qui sont ces gens qui, euh, soutiennent, euh, qui soutiennent la Russie en fait euh, Moi, euh, merci pour cette question. J'adore euh, être dans, dans les médias français. Euh, notamment, je parle des médias donc, euh, visuels qui sont télévisés, euh, être dans le studio. Pourquoi j'adore ça Parce que à partir du moment où il y a un ou une Ukrainien, Ukrainienne dans le plateau, les, ceux qui sont autour de la table ne se permettent jamais de dire des choses horribles sur l'Ukraine. Exemple très simple, il y a quelques jours, euh, il y avait que quelques Français autour de la table sur BFM et un des messieurs qui dit « C'est vrai qu'il qu y a 300... 200-300 personnes qui meurent aujourd'hui en Ukraine, mais soyons réalistes, ils sont 5, 45 millions, ce n'est pas si gros, ce n'est pas énorme. Uh, so what he's saying is that he really enjoys going on the in the media because when he's there or when any actual Ukrainian is there uh, uh, during debates, it completely changes the tone of the of the debate. People don't dare to say the sort of things that they would if there was no uh, direct Ukrainian presence. Uh, and it's giving an example of something absolutely horrendous that was said um, a few days back on the French TV BFM, uh, where someone said, of course, the Ukrainians are losing uh, 300 people a day, but let's face it, there's 45 million of them, and um, they, they can afford it. And they would never dare to say it, donc, grâce justement à la présence des personnes, soit d'origine ukrainienne, soit des Ukrainiens qui sont en France, qui sont sur les plateaux, on arrive aujourd'hui donc euh, quand même à avoir des débats plutôt intéressants et ne pas entendre des choses horribles. D'autre part, euh, une fois, j'étais sur un plateau et un peu en retard, il y avait le porte-parole de Marine Le Pen. Donc, Front National qui est arrivé et je me suis dit, euh, tiens, euh, euh, il y aura un grand débat, on va vraiment débattre sur plein de choses, c'était juste avant les présidentielles. Et je pr préparais tous mes arguments et lui, il a commencé par dire, nous les Européens, il faut qu que nous nous battions contre euh, euh, Vladimir Poutine. Donc, j'étais très étonné parce que je... Marine Le Pen défendait toujours Vladimir Poutine, alors que là, elle a dit il faut que nous nous battions avec l'Ukraine contre Vladimir Poutine. Et la deuxième chose qu'il a dit, il faut absolument euh, aider les Ukrainiens à venir en France et les accueillir aussi. Et là aussi, sur la question de l'immigration, j'étais très étonné que l'extrême droite puisse s'exprimer de cette manière-là. Another example of the presence of Ukrainians completely changing the, the tone of the conversation is once there was a representative of Marine Le Pen from a far-right party in France uh, who's famous for her anti-immigration stances and as well as her friendship for Vladimir Putin in particular and Russia in general. Uh, and so he was expecting an extremely uh, hard debate with that man and what turned out what what the man turned out to say was uh oh uh we support uh we support ukraine and uh we think that um ukrainians should be welcome in france after uh or migrants and as such um volodymyr was extremely surprised and he seems to say that this is again uh the impact that having actual ukraine on tv has on the debate uh just the the, the euh, on, le 25, 26, 27 février, quand j'allais dans les studios des plus grandes chaînes euh, françaises, euh, parfois on m'applaudissait lorsque j'arrivais dans, 
dans le studio, pas pour m'applaudir moi, mais pour euh, applaudir l'Ukraine et euh, la résistance ukrainienne en fait qui existait. Donc, euh, voilà. donc ça, c'était les premiers jours. Aujourd'hui, les journalistes, ils se permettent déjà de euh, lancer des débats sur des sujets euh, qui, eux, ils croient sensibles, qui ne le sont pas en, en réalité. Exemple très simple, euh, il y a quelques jours, sur une des chaînes, on m'a posé la question euh, sur les nationalistes ukrainiens euh, et je leur ai expliqué que les images qu'on a vues, ce n'étaient pas des nationalistes, mais des patri patriotes. Autrement dit, ce qu'en Ukraine, on appelle nationalistes, ça peut être des gens de gauche, de droite, de centre, et ainsi de suite. Politiquement, ils ne sont pas, en fait, de, de l'extrême droite, les nationalistes en Ukraine, en Ukraine parce qu'il y a la guerre. Mais, voilà, les médias français permettent quand même de, parfois, de poser des questions comme ça pour provoquer. Uh, initially, they were extremely supportive to the point of journalists uh, clapping whenever Ukrainians was arriving um, on their on the on the set uh, as a form of support for the, for the country. And now um, it's much more open season, and they tend to ask uh, um, quote unquote probing questions, such as those related to uh, um, Ukrainian nationalism or supposed supporting nationalism and how uh, uh, this is uh, a potential potentially problematic uh, and what Volodymyr was saying is that he had a field day because he could just um, underline to them the difference between nationalism and patriotism and how in Ukraine all you had uh, regardless of the name that was actually given to it was patriotism as uh, whenever the nation is being attacked is under attack uh, you, you have people from all uh, Merci beaucoup. Euh, C'est vrai que la guerre en Ukraine existe depuis huit ans. Du coup, le 24 février, c'était donc un moment où tout le monde a été surpris, en quelque sorte, tout le monde euh, a eu peur. Euh, ici en France, bien évidemment, je parle des Ukrainiens qui sont en France, donc ils ont été surpris, ils ont eu peur, ils ont essayé donc de d'aider de, de toutes les manières possibles et imaginables, euh, mais ils n'étaient pas autant choqués que si jamais demain c'était la France qui était attaquée ou voilà. On vivait déjà dans une situation de guerre et c'était juste la guerre qui est devenue beaucoup plus grande sur un territoire beaucoup plus grand. Et aujourd'hui, depuis quelques semaines, quelques mois, nous avons beaucoup d'Ukrainiens justement qui repartent en Ukraine. Euh, pour aider, pour soutenir, pour euh, et ainsi de suite. Cet été, par exemple, beaucoup de gens ne vont pas aller à la mer. Je parle toujours des Ukrainiens qui sont en France. Ils vont, ne vont pas aller à la mer, donc se reposer à la mer. Ils vont aller en Ukraine, euh, soit pour se reposer, soit euh, pour soutenir, pour aider euh, soit la population, soit l'armée. There was fear related to the February 24th uh, renewed offensive. Ukraine had been at war for a long time already, so it felt uh, somewhat expected, and it was not as, uh, quite as much as a shock as what people were, would have felt had um, a country entirely in peace, such as France, been suddenly under attack. 
um, then the, the, the feelings have evolved and now people uh, don't feel quite as much fear and they're willing to come back either permanently or on a more temporary basis. And what it's saying is that quite a few Ukraine, Ukrainian from the French diaspora or, well, Ukrainians in France are going to spend their holiday in Ukraine itself, either um, for to, to, to see family and uh, potentially the rest of it, uh, or to directly support the army during their during their off time. Axel, you, you, you want to, to ask a question again? Yes, uh, sorry, I apologize. I don't know where I, where I dropped off, but my audio got lost. Can you hear me? You dropped off. Yes, we can hear you. And you dropped exactly at the moment when you said question. So we heard nothing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my question was as to whether when you addressed the, the fact that uh, the tone in the French media had changed a bit in terms of how they now ask questions from the Ukrainians. Um, is this uh, that the French are now swinging back to a new definition of nationalism versus patriotism or nationalism versus patriotism and uh, is it more also uh, to give uh, equal coverage to both uh, what ukrainians might be doing wrong from a russian perspective on the one hand and what they're actually doing um, on the other hand is it opinion gauging so to say okay i'm not sure i understood your difference between um, and nationalism and, and patriotism. Well, nationalism is deni nationalism and patriotism. Patriotism is always defined as uh, being in favor of your own country, but not denying the fact that others love their countries too. Nationalism is um, go full hog in the French old debate and the German old debate of going full hog on your own nation without regard for any other. Okay, so what you're asking is nationalism increase in France? No, my question is, in, in their view of Ukraine, given that French is a, uh, the, the French language does allow for the differentiation, but in the French debate, there's always nationalism and there's patriotism for those who want to refine it. But Fra France is, is pro-patria. France is la grande nation. France it defines itself as a nationalist entity. So how do they now deal with the fact that Ukraine has its own definition of nationhood, derived from that a patriotism of the sovereign nation, and essentially also that encompasses nationalism? All right. Vladimir, Axel voulait savoir quel est l'impact qu'a eu la guerre sur la définition qu'ont les Français de la différence entre nationalisme et patriotisme, une évolution à ce niveau-là. Euh, en, comment les Français font pour euh, comprendre les, le sentiment national ukrainien Est-ce que, est que la guerre a fait que... Est-ce que tu as l'impression que la guerre a fait qu'il y a eu une évolution à ce niveau-là Et euh, il a posé une autre question qui était très bonne. Je vais lui okay, merci. Euh, très très bonne question et malheureusement je n'ai pas de réponse positive à donner dessus. Malheureusement en France, euh, à cause de justement des personnes comme Marine Le Pen, euh, on quand on pense aux nationalistes, on pense tout de suite à des gens avec des têtes rasées qui euh, vont euh, taper des personnes d'autres couleurs ou d'autres religions et qui ils veulent les faire sortir en fait de leur territoire.